this week has been interesting for pastors, leaders, husbands, wives, Christians. A lot of things have happened. Reading the Review and Herald this morning from a chaplain who walked by a bulletin board and she saw a picture of Christ surrounded by people, slings, crutches, all looking at or talking to Christ and Christ listening to them all. What a, what a picture for today. What a picture for today. Thursday, as a pastor, I received a, I received a call from a dear lady. And she told me her name. And I, I'm sorry, uh, I didn't remember who she was said, well, you baptized me. Oh, that made me feel worse. But over 50 years, you know, you've baptized a lot of people. And then she told me more, and I remembered. She's been giving, given now about six weeks to live. She has pancreatic cancer. And she called, she now, she lived in Arizona, and now she lives up at Loveland. And she said, could you come and pray with my family and anoint me? And I said, of course. So we did. Dear friends, the world that we live in is filled with fear and uncertainty. The mountain lion was probably walking around your house hoping that you had a little dog in your house that you fed dog food out on the patio. I don't know that. And I'm, I should have asked you, I should have asked you for permission to, uh, and he was hoping that you'd forgot to take it in. That's probably why he looked so healthy. Dear friends, we are frustrated and anxious and worry, and all when maybe we could be at peace. And the sermon that I want to share with you today is a New Year sermon. I know this is the second Sabbath of the year, but I want to share it with you in light of the events of this week, not only that we experienced as a country, but as a world, anxious for the events of the future. I need a little help right now. I need, let me see, I don't know if I trust, I trust those guys. Well, maybe. I don't know, but it, hey, good friend, yes. would you mind? Sure. And would you mind? 
Yep. Yep. This is heavy duty. Yeah, you, I can trust you guys. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, this is a very important sheet of paper filled with a lot of information. <laughs> I want this sheet of paper to remain exactly as it is. And I wouldn't mind if it kind of was a pain to you, to tell you the truth. I know you'll be tempted to make a paper airplane out of it. I know our children will certainly write on it. But I wouldn't mind if, if you struggled a little bit as to what to do with this sheet of paper. Because obviously, there's nothing on it. Totally clean, totally plain and white. When I was a child, a little guy, a little older than these here, I don't know if any of our children are in school yet. I was in school, and I would have to tell you, I, at that point in my life, I attended public school. And then early on, I even was in church school, my earlier elementary grades. And the same things happened. It's hard for me to tell you, but I, I just got to tell you the truth. I didn't like school, and school didn't like me. Every year, my mother had to go to school and argue with the teacher I mean, downright argue to get them to pass me or promote me to the next grade. Let's put it this way. If I got a D, not a B, I did not say B, I said D, that was reason to celebrate because it was better than an F. And the rest of the grades were Fs. And I didn't care. I'll just so you wonder, I'll remove the wonder, how did I get to where I am? Um, the, uh, I didn't care about school. School didn't care about me. The only thing I liked about school was I was the biggest kid in those grades. And whenever I fell on the playground, you'll laugh at this. I hope you'll laugh at it. Remember when you were back there? Guys, all the girls would come, oh, Rex, are you okay? Good grief. And I, I, I mean, I was just in the third and fourth grade. So put it in perspective. I was the dumbest kid 
But I was also the most popular because it was a very small school, 39th and Shoshone in North Denver. But I, pretty soon, a new preacher came to Denver North Church, and he had a boy in my grade, and he was smart. He was smart. And the girls started liking him more than me. Now, I'm just being honest. I remember this is way back then. And I decided I didn't like that. So I beat him up. <laughs> and I did. But that wasn't cool. <laughs> that only got me in trouble. And it sure didn't persuade any of the girls to like me. So he was smart. I mean, he was, oh, was he smart. So I decided that I was going to have to be smart. And I discovered that I had a brain. Lo and behold. It's... I finished Academy in the National Honor Society and uh, uh, did very well academically in uh, my later years. I fell in love with Ginger. Then I fell back to making B's and C's, which is all right. <laughs> That's okay. Why did I tell you that? Because every... Nine weeks, I loved going to the teacher's desk. And the teacher had, I don't know if they still have it or not. They had a grade book. It was like a little ledger. And every name was right there. Bell, B, up at the top. So it was easy to find. And I would look across the page. It was terrible. Zero, zero, dash, zero, two, three. All the other kids, 10, 8. I would feel bad. But every nine weeks, you know what happened? The teacher turned the page. And I don't know why I never, never figured it out. I don't know why I never figured it out. But I would stand behind the teacher looking over her shoulder. I don't know why she let me do it. And she would turn the page at the nine weeks and something happened in here every nine weeks. It was clean. It was clear. And I realized that every nine weeks I had an opportunity to start all over again.
the teachers would always say, Rex, <clears throat> this is going to be written in your permanent record. Did they ever try that on you? You're, I always, in, as, a, as a child, I always envisioned a U-Haul truck following me all my life, carrying my permanent record. Then I fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. A lot of things I learned. I want to share with you some things of hope and faith and courage for today, for this year, after a year that we all want to forget about. After Wednesday night, after COVID, after all of the turmoil, I pray that this thought will draw you closer to the Lord and refresh that spirit as you peek over and you see the master teacher turn the page. 1 John 1.9, a common text, text that all of us know. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, that's incredible. That's incredible, folks. If we only say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, I confess my sinfulness to you, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all of our sins. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Now, he also said that I will cast your sins into the depths of the sea. That's before aqua lungs. You know, they hadn't invented those when Jesus said that. If they were out fishing in the middle of the lake and, and they dropped something over the side of the ship, it was lost, unless it floated. It was lost. So what well, is that Jesus said, if you confess your sins, I'll forgive you. I'll throw them in the depths of the sea. They will be no more. Believe that. Believe that. Turn over to Hebrews 8th chapter. Hebrews 8, 10 and 12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. 
verse 12, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. I used to run a lot of five-day plans to stop smoking. And I will share with you one of those steps that would help people quit smoking. Why do you want to quit? Some would say, oh my, have you seen those lung pictures? Oh, man, I don't want my lungs like that. Boy, okay, that's a good motive to quit. Somebody would hold up their hand over here. Do you know how much cigarettes cost anymore? Yeah, we'd figure that out. In 15, 20 years, they'd have enough to go to Hawaii. And we'd figure that out on the whiteboard. But then I would say, now really, why do you want to quit? Because the truth is, everybody in this room knows somebody knows somebody that smoked until they were 99 years old and they died from tripping over a log or a mountain lion eating them on the back porch. <laughs> and we can, in America, you and I know that if we want something bad enough, we'll figure out how to buy it. And there's always somebody willing to make you credit. The only successful way to quit smoking is from love. Love. Love for children, family, love for God, and love for self. Friends, you and I have carried around the guilt of not only smoking, but whatever it is, long enough. And every year, we get the white page sermon. Long about February, late Janu January for me, I get discouraged because the devil is pressing in and I'm remembering how unworthy I am. We white knuckle it. The preacher says, don't think about the red-faced monkey. What are you thinking about right now? The red-faced monkey. Dear ones, believe in God. Don't believe in yourself. Let God be God. Let him keep his promises. Rest in faith in him because he loves you so much that he came and died for you. He died for you. Your salvation is accomplished at Calvary. And you can have that faith. Turn with me to Ephesians 1.7. 
in whom you have redemption through his blood. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You just opened up your Christmas presents, and I might have shared that last time I was here. I love Christmas. I do. I'm a kid at heart. I love Christmas. You know what I do? I've been known to get down on the floor with my grandchildren, crawl around, find a package that's got my name on it. And I'll say to Ginger, is this my present? <laughs> well, it's got your name on it, doesn't it? She doesn't say it like that. She says, honey, yes, it's got your name on it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, why did you? Uh, why? I didn't earn it. No, you didn't earn it. I love you. I gave it to you. Oh, no. That's an insult. If the present has my name on it, it's mine. Because she gave it to me from love. And on Christmas Eve, I rip open the present. In gratitude, I embrace her and thank her. Because she loved me that much. Dear friends, Eternal life is the gift of God. It's got your name on it. You can rest assured that it is yours. At a wonderful college, Union College, our college, I took a, a class from a wonderful gentleman called Daniel and Revelation. And in that time in Adventist theology, a battle was going on. Works and faith. And I sat there in Daniel and Revelation with the teacher professor saying, you've got to be perfect before the Lord can come. The Lord is waiting for people on this earth to be perfect as a reflection of his character to justify his sacrifice so he can come and take us to heaven. Now, the truth is, now, it was a lot more complicated than that. So that's kind of a real summary. I sat there knowing, believe me, I knew it. Remember, I was that dumb kid in school. I knew, and I still know it. The devil makes sure that I know it, that I, by myself, will never, ever, ever, ever conquer every sin in my life. 
And I will never, ever, ever be perfect myself. And I felt, I sat there at Union College preparing to be a pastor, knowing that I was holding up the Lord from coming. And I felt terrible. Oh, did I feel, I did feel terrible. I thought about changing my major. Thought about going home. I, I could do a lot of different things. And then in the Review and Herald, January 19, 1967, this was printed. And I, it's still very special to me. We are perfect, not in or of ourselves, of course, but in and of and by and through Jesus. Yes, now. Dear friends, we can claim through the blood of Jesus Christ, we just read it, eternal life and salvation. While we wait for the grand entrance into his eternal kingdom, it is now our privilege to appropriate his perfection, to cover up our otherwise incurable unrighteousness, and to rejoice in his love, which makes such a miracle of his grace possible. His love cast out fear so that we need not be anxious about our standing with him. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. Claim that, would you? There's more Wednesday nights coming. I hate to tell you that. And while we hope and pray that this vaccination, and I surely am going to be front line to get mine, if I can ever figure out how to get it. <laughs> I want that. But I also got to tell you that there'll be others. Just as there was polio, tuberculosis, cancers. Dear friends, there will be other Wednesday nights, but we can rest assured in Jesus Christ. He is on the throne. He is standing before the Father, his hands outstretched, and the devil brings up Rex Bell. And the angel over here reads five hours, figuratively speaking. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Mercy. And everybody is sorrowful. But then Jesus says, Father, 
my blood is sufficient and covers his sins. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And he does that for you and you and you and you and you, every one of us. <laughs>